McNulty stunning for anyone to get up off Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, for Bobby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, scores yes. for Bobby. Smashes it past McCormack. Won by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bobby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce and Matt Corrick. Proud to be Pompey. Hi, Bobby fans, and welcome to the PO Forecast, episode 34. Well, it's Sunderland then after a disappointing draw at Fratton Park. And joining me today is Rob Kuzak. Hello. Yeah, right, Rob. Hello. Yeah, I'm good. You? Yeah, very good. Uh, Rob's one of the writers now at Pumping News now. Um, so, Rob, it's great to have you on the show. It's nice to be here. Nice to be here, Hugh. So. Have, you re- have you recovered from our Pumping News now writer's night out in Newcastle? Oh, that was uh, heavy, wasn't it? Although me, me and my brother left at like one, so I don't. I can imagine you guys were uh, a bit worse for wear the next morning. I actually can't remember getting back, so <laughs> I, I woke up. In I the think hotel. that says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, I woke up ten minutes before checkout and was a bit unconfused where I was. Um, <laughs> but anyway, oh, that, that makes for the best nights out, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. Um, drink responsibly. Um, yeah. So let's get into it, Rob. Accrington Stanley. It could have been a great game, couldn't it? It could have been a game that we were going to go up and win promotion at. Barnsley actually lost as well. So we had the ability, if we had beaten Peterborough, to go on and get promoted. What are your feelings about that game? I think it almost became a just nothing game, didn't it? it, it yeah. like, that's how it felt. Because when you looked at the team lineup, when Jacket had made five changes, I guess... You can say you want to keep players fresh for the playoffs since we knew we were going for the playoffs. But I think there is also an argument to say that you don't want to change too much. And I think maybe he changed too much because it was quite flat in the first half. Uh, And with all due respect to Atkinson, if we're going for promotion and we were still in with a shout, we have to win that game. Uh, And, you know, Ben Close scored a really nice goal. Again, the goal machine. But Indeed. it was, I don't know, just frustrating. But I don't, I don't think it was unexpected. To, no, I, to I don't think. I don't think it was unexpected either, as well. And I think the first thing I noticed the atmosphere. It was mm. absolutely flat, mate. It was almost yeah, like in pre-season. And I remember at pre-season, I went down to Bogner, got my cheesy chips, chilled out, and there were quite, oh, well, there's some more... football going on. Yeah, but background. yeah, but there was actually some more fans there who seemed more up for making some noise, excited about the start of the season than for a majority of the game. You know, against Aki, the thing is they didn't bring down many fans. You know, fair enough. It was a nothing game for them, a long way down. That never helps. But there was definitely a sense of, I'd say, disappointment. But you know, yeah, disappointment for missing out on the automatics rather than looking forward to who we're playing. Do you think that's just a, a, th- a thing about some of the some fans not really appreciating the difference in a matchup for the playoffs? Or uh, yeah, I think there's an element of that, but I also think there may have been an element, at least among the fan base, of uh, almost complacency when you think, and it's happened a fair few times in the last few years in in League One and in League Two, where the atmosphere has been a bit flat, and you kind of feel it almost before the game starts. Yeah, um, and it becomes it becomes difficult to to get it up once it falls sometimes yeah and uh I, that does sometimes have an effect on the players but i think i do think it would have been different if pitman hadn't passed or or board held his run against peterborough and yeah. tony hadn't scored that third goal and say we win that game we're going into that game where if we win and someone drops points, we're going up. I think the atmosphere then would have been completely different. Oh, uh, for sure. And it's just, 
as I think the common word in the last couple of weeks of Pompey has been frustration. And yeah. I think I think that was evident at Sunderland when I think Jacket didn't make the right subs. Uh, and I know I spoke to you about it uh, after the game. But I felt that Curtis had more to offer than Evans when he came on. At, this is at Sunderland. So this is a couple of weeks ago. But, yeah. But if we'd nicked something there, if we'd nicked that second goal, how different could the, the other games have been? You know, And it's just that what if, but we've still got a second chance going up. And as is the fate of uh, football, we end up playing Sunderland again. So five times in one season, it's a bit ridiculous really, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean, later on, we're going to be previewing the Sunderland game. I probably should have said that as well as looking at all the playoff matchups. But... <clears throat> Let's have a think about it, mate. We are playing them again. And just, I'd like to say, the one-all draw, maybe I should stop predicting people to score because um, I put out that Sean McConville in the last podcast was the big threat to watch <laughs> and that he, he's uh, got a habit of scoring crackers. He, you know, he likes to drill his shots low into the corner, etc. And yeah, lo and behold, he um, he grabs a, you know, a, a pretty smart finish, really, doesn't he, in, in that you game? You think maybe the Pompey defenders should start listening to the podcast? Yeah, maybe they should. Maybe <laughs> they should. Um, yeah, it was, it was a pretty smart finish, wasn't it? It was, yeah. But, you know, it's just... I think Pompey had enough chances in the second half to win the game, though. Uh, and if we, had, if we had won the game, or, or if Charlton had just been nice and scored one less goal, we wouldn't be playing Sunderland, we'd be playing Doncaster. We, but again, that might not... Is that not, a good thing? That, I don't know. That's the thing, because Doncaster has some decent players. John Marquise generally always scores against us. Despite yeah, it not really performing when he was playing for us, me and <sighs> Sam, me and Sam were discussing this on on the who do you want in the playoffs in the last episode, and I started off by going, "Do you know what, Sam? I fancy Sunderland. I fancy Sunderland." And I fought the case for for playing Sunderland, and then it turned around, and I sort of convinced myself out of it and thought, you know, maybe head over heart on the level that I thought, you know, Doncaster are miles off points difference and the rest of the top five. Maybe we should be looking to play them, you know, after Peterborough, which actually didn't qualify. But it turns out that I actually am happy with the prediction to play Sunderland rather than Doncaster. I'm really happy we avoided Charlton. Yeah, definitely. Charlton was, I think, the one to avoid. But, but you know, we but, couldn't. The only way we could have played them is if, like, they'd lost and we'd lost and Sunderland had won or something like that. So. And I did think going into the last weekend that Southend were probably going to beat Sunderland because Sunderland liked dropping points. <laughs> you got you got the magic touch then, like James Robbins. He's like, yeah, he yeah. these weird results and getting but, it right. But, but also, when you looked at it, Southend had picked up in recent weeks. It was the last game of the season. They were at home. They needed to win to stay up. You know, you think about that. And Sunderland, they're kind of in the playoffs already. There may be... I, don't, I didn't see the lineups. They might have rested a few players. Um, but and as it turned out, that happened. And it was, um, I say, just frustrating, wasn't it? Again, that we, that we couldn't. But it was frustrating we didn't finish third because we've been third for the last four or five weeks. But it, it may work out well. And it may, we may end up getting to Wembley. And here's hoping. Well, that's that's all we can do, really. I mean, there's hmm. four teams in it. We're all good teams. You wouldn't be here if you weren't a good team at the end of the season, you know? You're not seeing some random team who'd be absolutely shocking squeeze away into the playoffs, and especially not into the top five teams this season because they've been hell as good, man. They have been really good this season. What we're going to do, though, I reckon... You think is... all the top five have almost got 90 points. That, that indicates something, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, it indicates the fact that you've got such a gulf between those teams and the rest of the league. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Ben Close, he's a revelation, isn't he? He just keeps getting better. What a goal. Uh, yeah, fantastic finish, but he scores different kinds of finishes as well. The, the one at Burton, like, so the one at Burton was a first-time right-footed curler into the far top corner that kind of came out of nothing. This one against Accrington was a low-driven left-footed shot into the bottom corner, you know, but his first goal, which was a long time coming, was, what I seem to remember was like a scuffed effort from the edge of the area. It trickled in, didn't it? Yeah. And 
but not but regardless of his goals, I think in the last so when Thompson left uh, in January, I think obviously that coincided with our drop in form. But I think what was really key was that Pompey hadn't learned how to play with Ben Close and Naylor in midfield as the whole midfielders. And I think it took them a few weeks to adjust to that. And then once they've adjusted to how they've played, I think Ben Close has been fantastic. And not only does he score goals, which is good, obviously, from a midfielder, but he wins the ball and he cuts the passing lanes and he's good with that. Like Tom Naylor is as well. Tom Naylor's fantastic and he puts a hard challenge in. Ben Close doesn't necessarily put as hard a challenge in, but he gets his foot there at the right time. He nicks the ball. He nicks the ball when he plays a pass to the winger. You know, a simple yeah. pass and then gets Pompey moving up the pitch, which is sort of what Thompson did in a, in a kind of different way. But he's really coming to his own in the last few weeks. And it's difficult to pick him up if you're a defender because he's coming, coming into the box late. He's not the tallest player, so he's not going to win many headers. So he, he kind of sits on the edge of the box and can no, completely can and hit shots from there. I mean, Ben Closer for me is, is a total midfielder for us. And if you have a look, I'll just throw some stats at you here. Um, we're talking about the loss of Ben Thompson earlier in the season and how it changed over. If you plot the team, okay, and you, and you look at their scoring rate per 90 minutes, and then you look at the expected goals value of shots taken, so um, which ones are most likely to score compared to which ones go in, there's no one is more clinical in the team than Ben Close, followed by Brett, Brett Pittman. I'm, I'm honestly not surprised by that, given the fact that Ben Close doesn't, he's not in the box every time we're attacking. And even if he is, he doesn't always get the ball. Uh, but he does score a lot. And I think in the last, what, couple of months, he's got six goals, I think. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah. So that really put, goes straight out Brett Pittman, obviously, because if there's one thing you need to know about Pompey, it's that Kenny Jackett lies, plays mind games, and Ben uh, Ben Pittman, God. <laughs> love <laughs> that'd, that. be the, that'd be the perfect player, wouldn't it? That's it. I love that. Some sort, <laughs> some sort of morph between the two of them. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe maybe we could have Ben Close sort of like with sort of Pittman's sort of like, I don't know, hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Kenny Jackett lies and Brett Pittman scores goals. That's a couple of things you need to know about Pompey, really, isn't it? Yeah, I, I still remember the first day of the season, got leading up to it, oh, Lowe's injured, he won't play, he won't play. Pops up, he's, he starts the game and scores the only goal. It's just fantastic. Like it was, Completely. you knew from then. It was just like, ah, all right. Jacket's playing mind games. He knows what he's doing. Do you like? Do you like the feeling that um, Ben Close, as a very tactical player, he he sort of he's always looking to play the right ball. Um, you know, get in the right position. I think he's so clinical purely on the basis as well that he he takes shots at the right times in the right positions. He's not just blasting away from different points. He's taking a shot when he thinks that is genuinely the best option and genuinely the best place to place that shot. Definitely. I think he reads the game quite well. Yeah. Um, which as a midfielder, as a holding midfielder, you need to do. Uh, and I've been very, very impressed with him. And he's exceeded my expectations. And I'm sure many other Pompey fans who listen to this and who think about it, at the start of the season, you never really saw Ben Close as being a first-team player. I think you saw him as a kind of fringe player, would play maybe in the Czech Trade Trophy games, Yeah, um, would probably come come in if someone was injured. But you think, looking at it now, he's almost the first name on the team sheet. Yeah. Besides besides McGilvery. No, but I think so as well. I think we've got other players you could argue um, can come in for the wingers. You, you know, with, with you've got Jamal Lowe obviously on the right, etc. But you know, you could you could easily put in Ottobor if you needed to. Um, well, it's close. I don't think he's you know very replaceable in this team. Definitely, and you think the other players that we've bought in, Morris and Cannon, for example, in the midfield, they've not. And I know they've had injuries and stuff, but they've not ever really been able to to kind of shine in that team. Um, no. Talk about Morris, actually. 
Um, he, he obviously started in attacking midfield against Accrington um, in place of Brett Pittman to give him a rest, I assume, for the game against Sunderland. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's that's why. I, I'm oh, sorry. I wouldn't think anything of that really, uh, other than the fact that Brett Pittman, you know, he doesn't doesn't he's not the most mobile of uh, of strikers to say the least. No. Although he did sprint at Wembley, so maybe. Well, Maybe the the chance of Wembley again will get him sprinting up and down the touchline. He's a big game hunter, mate. He he's is, there. He's yeah. there for the big games. He's yeah. He suddenly saves all his energy up, and before you know it, he's just like pacing past Jamal Lowe again at the Stadium of Light. Yeah, I I, I would pay good money to see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, just just going back onto Morris quickly. I think he had a bit of a poor game, if I'm honest. And you know, not criticizing yeah. the guy. He's been out. You know, he's been in the in the, you know thrown in the squad in a. Fairly difficult position to play, I'd say, because the team have got used to Brett Pittman coming, dropping in, you know, playing clever passes left, right, um, and looking like an all-round talisman. I do feel that maybe if he'd started from the off, we might have won the game. What do you think? Pittman, you mean? Yeah. If he'd started? Yeah, I think so. Um, But again, it's one of those things, isn't it? The second half was better but I don't think it was necessarily because of the changes that were made. I think the second half was kind of bound to be better than the first half. Like always, basically. In a, in a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, purely because, I don't know, maybe, maybe it was the fact that people would check their phones at half-time and realised that Charlton were definitely going to win. So if we wanted to finish third, we needed to, we needed to win. Um and so they came out a bit harder in the second half, or whether it was the fact that we were shooting towards the Fratton end. Uh, I think the the personnel changes had an effect, but I don't think they were the crucial effect as to why we ended up getting something out of it and you know could have nicked it at the end. Yeah, but, Ben Close came close again, didn't he? But um, yeah, no. Uh, overall, man, there's not that much more to say about that game because it was it was a game that was just such a. Well, it was a bit of a. It just played out, wasn't it? It's it not one. Out. It's not one that we'll really remember this time in twelve months, or I this time, in, this time in three weeks, if we've got promoted. I think I will remember it purely because of the weird atmosphere and just the the whole yeah, yeah surrounding it. But you know, but you know, when you look it's at kind the of results, a niche game. When you look at the results, it's like okay, so one all draw at Sunderland. Okay, that's that was a big game. Yeah. Lost to Peterborough, was, that was a very you know decisive game because then it meant we could go up. But then one all at Atkinson when our playoff place was already confirmed, you know it kind of kind of made me all get swept under the carpet a little bit. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely understand. I think I think that's I think that's true. I mean, obviously Stanley are a bigger club than Sunderland, but that's not relevant. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's not let too many Sunderland fans hear that. We don't want to get don't want to get them too angry. No, I'm obviously only joking. <laughs> anyway, right. So moving on, I think. We'll just go and have a look at the squad now. So, Matt Clark, player of the season. Is he your player of the season? I think he's definitely up there. I think he's, you know, you could make a case for a couple of other players, but I think Matt Clark has probably been the most consistent all season. Uh, I'd say he pro- probably, you know, he wins Man of the Match awards every now and then, but I think most other games he's at least a 7 out of 10, 8 out yeah. of 10. Um, and I know we haven't kept a clean sheet, for a while, but he's always been solid. And I think if he does make a mistake, he usually can sweep up after himself and make, make up for it uh, at the back. And then going forwards, he's like, when he, when he starts running forwards and he, he passes, passes to Brown and then gets the ball back past the, uh, the winger and he plays it to Curtis. You just think, Oh, here we go again. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. <laughs> Oh, okay. So throwing this out there, then Craig McGivory, can you give it? Could you give it to him instead? Yeah, definitely. I think you could give it to to McGilvery. You could give it to Jamal Lowe. Although I think the last few games he's been off the pace a little bit. But I think he's um, tired, isn't he? Yeah, and I think that's again one of the reasons why he uh, he was rested. Obviously, he's he's just had a uh, a second child, so I don't begrudge him the fact that he was tired at Burton because I imagine he didn't get a huge amount of sleep in that week. Um, no, completely. Uh, and also, when you take Curtis off from the left, the, I mentioned this to you in Newcastle, that 
Lowe then had four players on him whenever he got the ball. And so he couldn't really break out of the yeah. uh, the marking there. And I think that happened at Burton as well to a certain extent. Uh, so that when Curtis came on, he almost changed the game. And I think that that was... I think, yes, yeah, so in the last few weeks, maybe Lowe has probably dropped away from that a little bit. Although he has been fantastic this season. And some of the goals he scored have been phenomenal. Uh, the, oh, one at, the one at home to Oxford in the 4-0. Oh, yeah. Was... Yeah. Outstanding. Um, Obviously, the Wembley goal. Oh yeah, yeah. Little cheeky chip. Yeah, you can't really get much better than that. If that had won the game, I think that would have probably been even, you know, even better. Yeah, for sure. And that was really unlucky not to win the game as well, wasn't it? You know, you rip your shirt off and you celebrate, and you know, last few minutes. And, <laughs> yeah. and then if we'd, lo- if we'd lost on penalties, it would have just been like, oh, face palm. Do you know what I mean? It yeah, would- that would have been the most draining, pompy thing ever. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and you just sort of like get your coat and just sort of walk out of Wembley, you know, so, with your uh, losers' medal. Yeah, but I think if Ben Close had played like this for the whole of the season. I think Ben Close probably would have been in that debate as well. Um, yeah. But all in all, I, I don't think you can really complain too much about the season. You could complain about the, the blip in January, but really, there were a lot of games at the start of the season that we probably didn't deserve to win that we won. So you can probably make an argument that fourth is probably about right where we should have finished. Mm. And you well, think... It, if we'd, if we'd finished second, we would have had to win our last 10 or 11 league games in a row. And that's just ridiculous. Like, you can't really be expected to do that. So, well, fourth, expect- fourth is probably about right. Interesting that by expected goals, we were also sort of in between third and fourth with Charlton tied. <laughs> it was plotted at the end of the season. Um, and I think it was interesting that Barnsley just nipped Luton, but it was very close, followed by... Um, Luton obviously then us and Charlton pretty much uh, neck to neck uh, in the expected goals model plotting as well yeah. Interest, interesting that Burton Albion came in sixth place um, what do you think and so and Coventry in seventh so obviously yeah. you look at that and that just shows how interesting football stats are now and how accurate they are if you look at Burton's last few results when they played the big teams obviously they played us they played Sunderland they played Luton they beat Luton. They got a point at Sunderland. You know, they played Barnsley and got something against Barnsley. They're a very good side. And they were they were quite, probably quite unlucky to not be in the playoff race a little bit longer. Um, their running was difficult, obviously, you've just mentioned. Mm-hmm. But they, when we played them, you, you did sense that they were, you know, a good side. And obviously, they were in the championship. Uh was it last season or was it the season before? I can't remember. Um, it was last season. They came it was last down. season. Yeah, of yeah. course. Um, and so there's obviously still some quality there. Obviously, they wouldn't be in the championship if they didn't have the quality to get out of League One. Apart from we stole Tom Naylor. Well, exactly. And you can <laughs> see you can see how... Put Tom Naylor in that Burton team and we played them. Yeah. And we don't beat them. No, I agree. Um because he has that steel to the midfield, which every team needs, really, don't they? Yeah. Talking about championship and players, man, I was going to say, so we looked at this player of the season. I'm just going to throw something at you here, right? So let's look at let's look at the Pompey squad now. And let's look at, say we do get promoted, yeah? Say we, we do our cross, playoff... Cross fingers, touch wood, and all of that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Say we do get promoted, okay? So we'll do a little playoff predictions after after we do this. And, you know, we're all excited. We get promoted. Happy clappy after beating Doncaster 7 now at Wembley. Um, <laughs> only 7? Only 7. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we like, to, we like to be pretty, um, you know, unbiased on this podcast. <laughs> you know, try and give a fair and balanced view. But say that all happens. Next season... Who who really in this team can play in the championship? And, you know, where do we need to strengthen? I think it depends what your expectations are in the championship. Uh, if you right, want... let's, let's break it up. In order for us to finish top half of the, of, of the, champ, in the championship, what okay. do we need to do? I think we probably need, in that case, and this is assuming we hold on to all of the players that are in our first team now. Yeah. Uh, we would probably, I think, need another left back, at least, yeah, another left back, another centre back, um, 
probably another winger, uh, at least at least one, maybe two. Uh, yeah. Probably a number ten. There is a championship quality number ten and a striker, mm-hmm. and that's that's a lot of money for championship quality players at that level. So, so I'm gonna, I, is that unrealistic? Well, it depends what the budgets are and everything. Um, I know Catlin <clears throat> has said that we can afford to get some, you know, not ex- fairly expensive, but like uh, some championship quality contracts into the, the squad without uh, without compromising on, on the uh, the current squad. I know he said that before, but... Yeah, he said that in the interview. Me and Andy, yeah, you know, listen yeah. to it on the podcast. He literally said that if you get promoted, yeah, exactly. there's lots of money to invest. You know, so yeah. So we shouldn't be too worried about. Uh, I think wage bills. I think the the finances in terms of maybe transfer fees, if we need to buy someone uh, from somewhere, uh, could be a bit of a worry. But again, this is all hypothetical. But I think if we were needing to if we just wanted to stay up like the absolute minimum i think that's, we, my, that's my next question yeah so if we okay, start that, that back a bit you know yeah. I, didn't go, I didn't go for the playoffs what's the point in that let's let's go let's, <laughs> let's start go, back let's go double promotions like let's do a norwich <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. uh, but, stay up. so if we want to stay up i'm thinking we'll probably absolutely need another center back because uh at the very least it'll be backup because obviously Watmore's out for probably still till like October, I think it was. I mean, who knows at this, at this stage? Uh, but an ACL injury, you're out for a long time, and he won't. He yeah. probably won't have a full preseason, at least. So we'll probably need a centre half. I think maybe a left back as well, a number ten and a winger, which is kind of what I just said. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I th- I think the highest priority is a centre half and a, and a winger. What side wing? What side wing do you think we're lacking? A left, a naturally left sided winger. I think so because at the I, I know Curtis has played there, but when he played for for Derry, yeah, he was up front or number ten. So I don't know if we may maybe if we need a bit more pace through the middle. And obviously, the difficulty with Pittman is that he scores goals and he scores screamers, but and important goals, but he's not the most mobile. And if you're away at, say, Fulham, who mm-hmm. have just come down, they've spent a lot of money in their Premier League squad. If you're away to Fulham and you're under the cosh, you'll need pace in that attack. And I don't think Pittman would offer that. And I think that if you're playing the same system that we're playing now with, say, Hawkins up front, I think you'd need legs behind him, not Pittman. I agree. I think that he'd be a good impact player, though, possibly from from the bench to you know, you know, you're really going for it. You need to put someone on who could nick a winner. If, that, a, that, if that's... a chance drops, he'll put it away, and you can rely on him to put put it away. Definitely, yeah, for sure. You look at his goal against Coventry, his last minute winner or late winner. Um, that was like kind of a half chance, almost. In in, you didn't think he's going to put it in the top corner with his weak foot, G, and he's hit it so hard and so sweet. The net is bulged backwards and he's reliable like that because you give him half a chance he will put it away no i completely agree and i think i think that for me as well we could we need another center midfielder and not because i want to replace close or nailer at all as such i think close will do very well in the championship i think he'll suit the style of play i think almost with a few more better players around him he can up the tempo a little bit more of, of how he plays with his passing I think, I think so, yeah. That's probably a good shout, actually. You think you want the centre midfielders of the engine room, really, aren't they? And I know that's a really terrible football cliche, but everything has to run through them. Uh, and if you're trying to play football football, you need midfielders who can break up the play and pass the ball, which Close mm-hmm. and Naylor are good at. But maybe you obviously have to take into account it's a squad game and you will get injuries. And if one of them gets injured, you have to have someone who can come in and replace them and still fit in seamlessly into that team. So I guess a midfielder would be good, you know, 
But Has anyone, anyone you've seen, Rob, so far this season, you thought, fuck me, he'd be a great addition to the team? Uh, in League One or the Championship? or Either's fine. Fire either. Well, I can't... I don't know if there'd be anyone who would be available. Do you know what I mean? Because I've seen... Yeah. Obviously, I'd love Jack Grealish in the team. But something tells me he's probably not available. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. For sure. Um, I think... You'd have to look at maybe the, the teams that have come down from the Championship. Uh, so... Rotherham, Ipswich and Bolton and I know Zach Clough has said that he's leaving Bolton after 17 years there so and he's he plays like number 10 slash on the wing yeah you think if if he's available and obviously Bolton are a crisis club and that's all you know we, we've been there as fans and I'm sure you'd echo the statements that we wish Bolton fans all the best and yeah, for sure. the, 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 yeah. their, their club can survive what it's going through because there's talk of them being deducted 20 points at the start of next season. That's absolutely horrible, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but Zach Clough would probably fit the mould of a player that... Because he's, he's played in the Championship almost all of his career. So he knows what it's about. And he's a skillful player who's got pace. So I think... But it, this all depends on if he's available, how much he costs all of that sort of stuff, which is kind of more for uh, Catelyn, Jacket and Eisner to talk about. Just they know, they know the ins and outs of it, don't they? Yeah, when it, they said there'll be some serious investment if we do get promoted to the Championship. However, they're saying if we do not get promoted to the Championship, Kenny Jacket has pretty much maxed out his budget for what we've got now. So we're right. pretty much on the League One sort of, um, what you call, budget. We, we've maxed that out. And obviously we're trying to build a team that's you know financially sustainable and i think all pompey fans you know aren't going to be calling for the the club to be throwing millions we can't afford at at players however it's got to be said that if we don't get promoted wouldn't you say that quite a few players will be leaving i think a few might leave uh i think even if we do get promoted i think clark will stay for another season and then probably move on somewhere maybe into the premier league because he's, he's that good. And if yeah. he proves himself in the championship, you know. If uh, anyone look at Adam Webster, who's Bristol oh, City's player of the season. Well, exactly. And you think when he played for us, like I thought he was a good player, but I didn't ever think that he'd be that good. You know, Bristol City obviously pushed for the... So did they make I, the playoffs in the end? No, they didn't. They finished no. seventh or eighth. Yeah, so they just, just, missed out. just missed out. But, you know, I think... He, if you look at Clark, I'd say arguably he's got more talent than Adam Webster. When when that deal was signed, when we got Clark for Webster and we got some money... 800k. Bite their hand off for it. Because I, was, I always thought that when Clark and Webster were playing, because obviously we had Clark on loan, that Clark was much the better player. Yeah. Um, and I thought we absolutely robbed uh, Ipswich for, for that. Uh but in terms of other players leaving, I think I don't think Curtis would leave if we don't go up because he's only had one season in the English leagues, and I think he loves Pompey as well. Like he he gets it, doesn't he? he yeah, he, he gets yeah, Pompey. for sure. Um, I think possibly Lowe would maybe I think, leave. I think Lowe, if he, you know, and. He's earned the right to play in the championship a bit like Clark. Um, was it 16 goals or 15 goals in all competitions this season? Some, eight, like that, eight, yes. eight assists. Um, you got you got to look at it's that. Good it's a, it's a very yeah. good return. It's a very good return in League One for a player who two seasons ago, two or three seasons ago, was playing in the Conference South slash Ryman Premier League, which is two, three leagues below the Football League. So, so it's, also, it's also a pretty good achievement for someone who's not playing as an out-and-out striker. Just when he's playing wide effectively? Yeah, exactly. Uh, because he, he has that skill and that pace to beat a man and put a cross in. Yeah, and I think sure. he would have got more assists if Hawkins was more clinical. And I know a lot of Bobby fans have said this. And I really, really like Hawkins. I think he battles hard. And he's from where he's come from, he's done fantastically well. But... And he has said this in interviews as well, that he needs to work on him, 
his finishing basically to be more clinical because he's yeah. missed he's missed a lot of chances this year. Um, that you'd think if Pittman was there, he probably would have put them away. But this is all hypothetical, isn't it? True, but Pittman also at this stage when he was playing up at number nine, in my in my opinion, was not getting the opportunities because he he just didn't have the dynamics to work with the team in that position. Well, now he's a number I 10. I think he struggled, definitely, yeah. Yeah, he struggled at number nine because he didn't win enough headers. <clears throat> and Hawkins gets fouled every time he goes to challenge for a header. Yeah. The refs, the refs never give it, but he still wins the header. Precisely. So what I mean is... It- he just, he just didn't suit that position for us at the time. And it's great that Pittman's found himself a, a new role he can carve out in number 10, really, and be so absolutely successful with it. Um, just thinking then, we've <clears throat> we've looked at it. Is there anyone in particular in League One you think that we could sign? I mean, Is anyone good enough? Of course, it depends on budgets and everything, as, as everything does. But um, of the players that I've seen... Um, I can't really think of any off the top of my head. I think you've got, obviously, the best players at teams like Peterborough, like Ivan Tony and Marcus Madison. Yeah. But I don't think they'd be affordable. Uh, although, if we could sign Madison, I think he'd be that perfect backup winger. But yeah. Or number 10. But I don't know if he'd want to come to Pompey if he was going to be a backup winger. Do you know what I mean? Because... yeah. He's playing every week at Peterborough, and they they love him at, at London Road. So, what about a Co- what about a Coventry? Coventry have got um. How do you pronounce the guy's name again? I keep forgetting. Is it Huula? Huula. Huula. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, Coventry are broke as well. So. Yeah, and but the thing is, from from their financial situation, the the side they've put together is fantastic. They really should have been three 0 up at half time when we played them. Yeah, because they have that front three that have all got pace and all know where each other are but they all interchange so the striker will be on the left at one point and the the left wing will be on the right and the right wing will be in the middle and Clark and Burgess struggled to deal with that at times but I think they ran out of steam when we played them uh, yeah if Charlton don't go up I've been asking you this question a little bit would you want Lyle Taylor? absolutely he's He's always really awkward to play against when we play Charlton. Yeah. And I know other players, uh, well, other teams' fans, sorry, don't enjoy playing against him because he always tends to score as well in big games, which is a, a always a good trait to have. Uh, was it him that scored the goal at the Valley that won yeah. in the game? Yeah. And Lyle Taylor, 21 goals and nine assists this season for Charlton, um, especially after... Um, Green Grant moved on as well, so it was just him playing up front on his Todd. He's 28 years old. Does that put you off? No, I don't think it does. I, I, I think if a player's good enough, it doesn't really matter how old he is because the sell-on value at championship level is not ever that high unless the player is fantastic, I think. And I think Lyle Taylor, again, this is and I know this is all hypothetical, but if we were to go up and we signed him, I don't think that he'd be a Premier League quality striker, but I think he'd no. do a job in the Championship. And so I think... do I. His touch, his vision, his ability to, to move. He, he's one of those players who's always looking with his head up. So he's not just a striker who can score goals. He's the kind of person that peeled off. Remember watching him against us when he played at the Valley? Every time he got the ball, he looked dangerous, didn't he? He just literally, you know, we've got good centre backs, and definitely, yeah. He, he looked like he mugged them off quite a bit, a bit <laughs> in that game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, he's almost that sort of player that you could play at number ten with a striker up with him as well. That's interesting, because if you you're saying he drops off and stuff, that almost becomes where a number ten is. Do you know what I mean? So you'd be you'd have another striker up with him to, who stays up and then you'd have Lyle Taylor maybe drop in a little bit deeper to um, to get those balls and pr- play those passes, but also arrive in the box and finish off chances. So yeah. there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of potential, I think, with the Pompey squad to really be good in the Championship. But we have to get there first. Yeah, for real, completely. 
uh, do you know what? I think that it'd be a fantastic signing personally. I don't know if he'd work at 10. He might do. Um, I think if he was playing in that sort of position, he might need another striker. Um, and then just playing rather than that traditional 10 just off the striker. It'd almost be a wide 4-4-2. I don't know how hmm. deep he'd come and get the ball. Kind of um, like a big man, little man. If you have yeah, to yeah, almost. But Lyle Taylor isn't that small. No, he's not. He's quick as well. <laughs> yeah. So he, he's got the whole package really, hasn't he? Mm, definitely. And I think Charlton will obviously be looking to keep hold of him because if they don't go up, then he's he's kind of what they're going to rely on to mount another promotion push. Because obviously Charlton were in the playoffs last season as well. Uh, and this year they've come third. So they'll obviously be looking to, if they don't go up, well, they'll get the, they want to be obviously trying to get the automatics because like progress year on year and eventually get to the championship. Get back there, sorry. Oh yeah, of course. I'm guessing they'll want to, they'll really want to push that. I don't think they're going to sit back and go, all right, let's just flog everyone off. Although I do know they are on a, what I'd say, a tight budget. Mm. So they're not going to be a team who can necessarily turn down, um, you know, those sort of opportunities. And, you know, hence they sold Kirk Keeling Grant on to Huddersfield in January because they just didn't have, you know, they've got a dodgy ownership situation as such, haven't they? Yeah, so, yeah. And yeah. you think if they do go up, they'll be playing against him next year. So that would be, uh, that would be interesting to see. Uh, how he would do well I mean it'll be interesting to see Grant given a chance in a team that is actually competitive in division in in the championship because obviously in the Premier League Huddersfield were just kind of nothing weren't they they were shocking weren't they let's get let's not let's not uh, beat around the bush they were (laughs) absolutely awful but you know what I guess their fans don't really care because at least they went up they're going to bag that money you get for going in the championship well exactly yeah and then go from there really Right, let's get to it, mate. Let's let's preview the massive playoff semi-final game against Sunderland. It's happened again. I'll be <laughs> honest. It's a long way to travel, so we'll see if we get up there. Pompey haven't sold out their allocation, which is a bit of a surprise since we only got two thousand tickets. Uh, well, not yet. I mean, obviously it's Tuesday when we're recording this, so you've still got four or five days for them to sell it out. I think. It being so soon after we played them the first time, and it being a seven forty-five kickoff, uh, yeah, because you know Sky don't really care about the fans. Uh, it, I don't know. I think we probably will sell it out. But no, I, we're going to sell it out, man. That was but, a fishing. That was a fishing comment from me. But, but um, I don't. Th- but I don't think we're going to be demanding extra tickets. No. Like, not that they, not that we get any anyway. But with obviously, t- what was it? Two weeks ago, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, we took almost three and a half thousand up there, and probably could have taken, you know, another couple of thousand on top of that. Yeah, for sure. People were demanding tickets, weren't they, online and really going for it? Um, yeah, exactly. Well, it ended up, I assume, a fair few Pompey in the Sunderland end. If there was enough tickets available, they didn't. There was what ten. Well, we know, we know seats. we know some, don't we already? So yeah, we can, we can actually without naming shaming too many. <coughs> Sam, um, we, <laughs> we we know some people that were in the, in that end. Now, just having a look at the Sunderland team. Obviously, Sunderland's results haven't been great uh, for anyone who hasn't been following them. Who's listening in? So they lost up to South End, as you mentioned, two one um, away. That was they lost away again to Fleetwood two one. Obviously, they drew with us. Full that I drew with Peterborough. So, they beat Doncaster before that. And then Coventry beat them. And then, so we're looking at these results. In the last six games, they've got one win. Yeah, but... As Does that said, make a difference coming to the As he said before, you know, form doesn't really matter that much when it's a, a two-legged game and all of the rest of it goes out the window. Um, I think... There, there are some caveats there in the way that the the game against Southend, as I said, was not a dead rubber for Sunderland, but they already knew they were in the playoffs. They couldn't go up, and Southend really needed to win to ensure they stayed up. Um, so I think there's a caveat there that you know, as I said, Southend probably were going to win. I thought uh, the the results before that, obviously, the game against us was a very tight one all. The game against Peterborough, uh, 
they got pegged back late on after they'd scored a late goal themselves. Yep. So, you know, and they do love a 1-1 this season. <laughs> they've, they've drawn so many games and most of their draws have been one-alls. If, if, if we get a one-all draw, yeah, as such, I mean... At the going, same light. Yeah, going for a draw anyway. Go up there looking for that sort of piddle response again. I just don't think it's going to happen, mate. I, I, I actually genuinely think it's just going to be a simple standard Pompey but I think you know we'll get into our predictions later on but I just I just don't I don't feel it's going to be the same as the last game we played against them I don't think it will purely because we know that it's not a case of uh, when this will go up or will we'll, it'll be in our own hands do you know what I mean because it's it's a two-legged affair the tactics at the end of the first leg are different to what they would be at the end of a normal league game. And at any yeah. other point, uh, McGilfrey said this in his post-match interview, but at any other point in the season, a one-all draw at Sunderland, fantastic result. Yeah. So you take that into account. You think if we can get a draw, no matter what the score is, because obviously away goals don't come out, don't come into it in the playoffs. Yeah would be, I think, a fantastic result and would set it up perfectly at Fratton for the second leg. No, I, I completely agree. Um, obviously, I'd... I'd um, yeah, obviously, I completely agree. I just think that... It's a difficult one, right? Because I'm going to... I could go into the, the whole basis of, of Sunderland and, and their tactics, which I'll do very briefly now because I've I've previewed this team three times already this season Once you feel like, you, feel like you know them as much as the uh the pompey scouts yeah for sure and um you know maybe go back and listen to the other previous sunderland art um podcast if you want me to be really passionate about this but i'll go into it because you know here we are um i mean sunderland have started to play uh, a little bit more safe at the back after that horrible horrible 5-4 game against coventry so they they ditched one of their defenders and realised that they couldn't play their two passing centre backs, um, you know, together at the same time. Uh, you know, Baldwin, Flanagan, uh, etc. Didn't play a game that was compatible effectively, and um, they had to bring in someone with a bit more no nonsense uh, approach. Which is Ozturk, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so they brought yeah. in Ozturk um, to sort of mentor some of the young, more passing centre backs, but also to go in that sort of more route one, kick it out. You know, no. No sort of um, mistakes to happen at the back. In midfield, Max Power seems to have come back in and, you know, cemented the place a little bit more in, in the midfield for them. Um, he looks a bit more lively. I always think he's he looks a bit hot-headed as a midfielder sometimes, Max Power. Maybe it goes with the name. Who knows? <laughs> but, I mean, he, ha- he has been sent off a couple of times this season, hasn't he? Yeah, uh, he, he is always out there for a red card. But, you know, and then, then in the middle, with it next to him, they seem to be... Dogged on playing Lee Catamol um, in his four-two-three-one formation that sort of matches up directly against ours, and you know, for me, I just don't think he adds enough for their for their team. I think he he huffs and puffs around the picture quite a lot, but I don't I don't think he's the the Sunderland's version of Tom Naylor on a on a similar class level at all. And I think that's something we can exploit really, especially if you get under Max Power's skin and we can get Naylor and close to dominating those two. I think we match up really well against them. And then in the number 10 position, they seem to be favoring uh, playing Honeyman. Um, he's a good player. Don't get me yep. wrong. Um, he comes back, he collects the ball. Well, um, he, he distributes the ball well as well. And he, you know, he's always a danger going forward, but you know, I'm looking. I look at their team, and I think that uh, Chris Maguire is um, is a good player that I really rate, and I feel that he would give them a bit more attacking potency. So if he starts for Sunderland at the weekend, which I've heard some rumblings about, then they will be looking to maybe go for it more than they are if they play Honeyman in that central attacking midfield role. Or if he comes on quicker or earlier than than usual, then I feel that that might be the case mm-hmm. as well. And then going wide of them, obviously. You, you know, a player I quite liked before early in the season, Lyndon Gooch. He's signed a new contract around December. It does not look as good as he has since then. He's a Sunderland Academy prospect, I think. It's one of uh, one of those, isn't it, where they 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 get the contract and then it almost seems like they uh, they then kind of drop off after exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. Um, and and Lewis Morgan's really made 
that position, I think, his own on, on that other wing with uh, McGeady playing on the other side. And he doesn't really need an introduction to Pompey fans who already know all about him. Um, he's the talisman. He's still got a fractured foot, I believe, which is why they've been rested. Yeah, um, but when you saw him at the Stadium of Light, he didn't look like he minutes. had a fractured foot. Didn't look like he had a fractured foot, did he? Let's be honest. He was still their best player by a long way. Because he was pumped up on painkillers. He's not training. I, I, I do know what you're saying. I do agree he was their best player for a long time. But is he their best player for 90 minutes plus in two games? Well, because if I it mean, comes down to I'm sure, Park I'm sure picture, we'll see, yeah. If it yeah. comes down to extra time at Fratton Park, is McGeady going to be around or is he going to be putting his foot up with a bag of ice on it? Well, we'll see, won't we? <laughs> um, I think... I think what you've said about Sunderland's quite interesting, obviously quite in depth. Um, their to to respond to bits about it. Um, their defenders, having spoken to so one of my friends at university is a big Sunderland fan. Uh, he he goes as much as he can. Um, and he says that their centre halves have always been a worry all season. Yeah, uh, sure. I'm sure other Sunderland fans will say the same yeah. because they also don't keep too many clean sheets. Um. Uh, so they're, they're, there's a possible way we can exploit that. At Wembley, Hawkins, when he came on, absolutely bullied their centre-halves. But when he came on at Stadium of Light, he didn't really do much. No, uh, he didn't really win too many headers. Um, and whether that was he was overawed by the atmosphere or something, or maybe he just wasn't on his game. Uh, I think Vaughan, Vaughan struggled as well, though, I think, in the first half. Yeah, he did, but... He also battled quite well for like the the less obvious stuff. So he would chase down a ball and block the clearance and put in a slide tackle and stuff. He did struggle when the ball came to him a little bit in the air. Um, but then moving on to your point about uh, Catamol, I think Catamol is the captain, obviously, uh, Sunderland. He's been there in the Premier League and in the Championship. Poor man, is... Tom Naylor. <laughs> of course. But he he is almost kind of like, he almost is not their, their best player in terms of ability, but he is almost their main player in terms of image. Because you think of Sunderland, you do think about Lee Catamol generally uh, in the last few years, especially when they're in the Premier League. He was fantastic for them. But Again, this is going off some things that I've spoken to some of the fans about. That they they feel that he's almost dropped off a little bit, and that he's they say that he's a little bit too slow sometimes. But when yeah, we did, but sure. when we did play them at the stadium like a couple of weeks ago, it, he did look quite good, and he he cut out a lot of balls and stuff. And in the second half, when they were more on top, he was a more dominant player because he'd get the ball and he'd have a bit more time to then play a pass. So I think. If we are going to take advantage of that, we as Pompey need to be on a high press on players like Catamol. Uh, no, I agree. We can't drop back, can we? We can't do that Pompey hold back for the draw in the first game and sit deep and defend for our lives. It's I, don't think you can, well. I don't think you can go away in the playoffs at any level and play for a draw. I, I, I don't think that's a good way to go about it. I, you can play more defensive, sure, but you need to have that attacking intent still, uh, which I think we do have, obviously, when we have players like Lowe, Curtis, Hawkins, Pittman, for example. But I think about their, their strikers, they've played Charlie White quite a lot recently. So he's come back into the team up front. Yeah. And... Um, He's done really well for them, and I thought he played fantastically at the Stadium of Light. He he bullied Burgess and Clark a lot of it, and I think that if we're going to be successful in the semi-final, we need to find a way to prevent him playing because he won a lot of stuff in the air. And I know Clark and Burgess did too, but he won important headers and he probably should have scored. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the one thing missing for his game. I know he has scored a lot more recently, Charlie Wyke. But he's not a clinical player. But let's he's not, not a fast player. He's almost Hawkins 
in some way we let's scored a few forget, more goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not forget that McGilvery did pull out three or four world class saves. Yeah, they called him Manuel they, Neuer, weren't they? Well, yeah. But if he can have anything like that game again on Saturday, then that's always a good place to start from. Of course. But McGeady is the best player in League One. I don't think there's really an argument about that. No. When he's on when he's on his game, he's the best player in the division by probably quite a long way. Um and that's always a, a difficult position to be in. Although I thought Thompson did deal with him quite well a couple of weeks ago. Um having said that, Thompson needs to be careful because he does like to dive into a challenge. Not to, get, not to get sent off. I know. Not, to, not get... to be drawn into it. Yeah. In the way that I think McGeady was trying to do at the Stadium of Light. Mm. You um, can tell there's a bit of beef to the players now, isn't there? The little scramble after the game. The sort of It's going to be a heated game. And Nathan Thompson certainly needs to make sure that he's not the player to come off looking worse from it. Flanagan, for example, the guy who scored... He hates Poppy, I'm pretty sure. And so he loved it when he scored against us. Do you see the tattoo? I, I haven't, no. No, I'm just joking. Carry on. <laughs> um, yeah, he loved it when he scored against us. Um, and he was the one who started the uh, the the pushing match, effectively. Yeah. 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 Um, and he hates Thompson as well. Specifically, I, I could see, I could see why. To be honest, like, I love Nathan Thompson. He's that oh, sort of that player that you don't want, to don't want to be playing against. Yeah, because no matter if you go anywhere near him, when he want, when he wants to get a foul, if you go anywhere near him, he's going down like a, a sack of spuds. Yeah, <laughs> Rob, let's wrap this up for a second. What do you think your playoff? What is your prediction for the game, mate? Who do you see coming out on top? Players to watch, goals, scoreline. Oh. I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because we've played them three times already this season and we beat them, obviously, 3-1 at Fratton in a fantastic atmosphere, but probably that was at least swayed on the red card a yeah. fair bit. Yeah. Because before that, it was a pretty even game, but we did then put them to the sword. Uh, and obviously, the other two games were draws. Um, I think at the Stadium of Light, their players to watch are obviously Aidan McGeady for however long he's on the pitch. Um, yeah. I think for us, I think I think Curtis is going to do well. For the f- he hasn't played fantastically well in the last few weeks, but I could see Curtis in an atmosphere like that, in a massive game, really being up for it. And with him being rested as well, he'll be raring to go. I'd like to see that, mate. I would like to see that. So, we'll and, see. Uh, I, if I had to stick my neck out on the line and make a prediction, I'd probably say, for the Stadium of Light, uh, a one-all draw. And I think that would put us in the driving seat for the Thursday night second leg of Fratton Park, which, if it's anything like the atmosphere at the Plymouth playoff uh, a couple of years ago, will be electric. No, it's and, going to be amazing. And it? also, just a, an interesting um, stat that I found out today. Pompey have only ever been in the playoffs in the Football League twice. And I'm sure uh, some younger listeners, for example, this in 1993, Pompey played Leicester in the playoff semi-final. This was three years before I was born, for example. I had to ask my parents about this game. And yep. uh, so we lost the first game 1-0, and then we drew 2 all at home. So we lost... Uh, that game 3 2. Leicester scored an offside goal. You know, all of that. I'm sure I don't wanna I don't wanna go over it for fans that have that lived through it, lived through the heartache. And then obviously the heartache against Plymouth a couple of years ago. They're the only two times we've been in the playoffs. We've we've never got to the playoff final ever. History will be made, mate. And Sunderland have never won the playoffs either. Okay. So, okay. Someone so, someone um, could change yeah. yeah, I don't know too much about Charlton or Doncaster in terms of their records in the playoffs, uh, but Sunderland and Pompey have never won the playoffs. So Third time lucky, possibly, for Pompey. Do you hope. think we can do it, Rob? I think we can. Do you whether think we, we will? Whether we will is a different question. 
Do you think like we will? To, I'd like to think so. Yes. No, like the positivity. I'm I'm going to go with a two-one win in the first game for Pompey. I'm going to go with. I'd I love think to it's. See that. I think I think it's <laughs> going to happen. I think Sunderland at the moment are looking pretty woeful. The fans are really on the back of the club. I hope the not... prediction streak continues. Then if they that's, are. If that's what you're predicting. Yep, they are not confident at all about this game. The players look rattled. I think it's going to be a two-one win. I think Sunderland will take the lead, and we're going to come back in a Pompey style, and again we're going to win two-one. Goal scorers, Jamal Lowe just can't stop scoring against Sunderland. Let's keep that going, Jamal. And I think Ben Close, the man of the moment, big game player, he's going to step up, smash it home, 2-1, back to Pompey. It's going to be a heartbreakingly defensive game. And we'll oh, finish. Mate, I, don't, I don't think my heart can take this. Just listen to the prediction. And then right. we're going to go, <laughs> and it's going to break out onto a one-all draw. Well, I mean, if that happens, then lovely stuff. We'll be at Wembley. But yep, yep. Let's we'll, see if we can we'll do see, it. Won't we? yeah. Let's see, Let's see, mate. All right, Rob, it's been absolutely amazing having you on the podcast, mate. Awesome. Where can people, Thanks where very can much. People, where can people find you? Uh, my Twitter is at Blue Army PFC and then an underscore. Uh, and you can find me on the Pompey News Now uh, writing feed shortly because in the next week or so i'll have an article my first article out uh, and it's going to be focusing on a slightly lesser known uh poppy fans group abroad awesome awesome mate i'm looking forward to it and uh, it's great to have you on the team and cheers for coming on the podcast yeah thanks very much mate thank you awesome well let's see what happens and until next time let Pompey. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle.